Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2021 Director of Virtual Programs for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Leticia Niago, Vice President of Learning. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, the 2021 Vice President of Finance. We also have Helena Hodges, Director of Technology and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing Diane Elkins. Diane is an award-winning custom e-learning developer, author, keynote speaker, and trainer, co-owner of Artisan e-learning and e-learning Uncovered co-author of the popular e-learning uncovered book series and e-learning fundamentals a practical guide from ATD Press past board member of the Northeast Florida and Metro DC chapters of ATD and of course our chapter member so welcome Diane thanks so much for having me well before we jump into our topic of transforming what your SMEs also known as subject matter experts know to what your learners need Please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Sure thing. So uh, I, like most people, stumbled into the training field by accident. I started out as being an expert in job search and started training on job search. And that's how a lot of people fall into our industry. And then I decided I really like training and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, Discovered e-learning around the year 2000 and just haven't looked back because it. uh, it combines a lot of my passions, helping people do their jobs better, writing, graphic design, working with computers, all of that. And so I just love the world of e-learning. But I remember that moment of also being a subject matter expert. <laughs> and our job is so tied to subject matter experts. And sometimes we can have a love-hate relationship. It's oh. part of why we're here today. <laughs> yes. Well, so let's tap into that expertise that you have. Let's start with a simple question. What role do subject matter experts play in training development? They play half. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I hope the listeners have is I think it is um, very easy as an instructional designer, whether you're classroom, webinar, e-learning, whatever mode you're working in, to sometimes feel like you're in the subordinate position. The subject matter expert is the expert. And very often they're higher than you in the company hierarchy. They don't report to the same people to you as you do. And even if they don't have that formal authority, they have expertise authority. And so it, it seems like whatever they say you have to do. And what we need to remember is that they're the advocate for the content. You're the advocate for the learner. Both things need to be there for an effective course. Otherwise, you get an information dump that doesn't change any behavior and doesn't solve the business problems. So what I'm hearing is our learners have needs and our SMEs have knowledge and experience, and it's not always necessarily in alignment. It's a Venn diagram. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so so we need to figure out those places, that, that, that balance. Let's say mm-hmm. you're, you're about to start working on a new course and you, you're going to meet with your SMEs. Could you walk us mm-hmm. through your process? Like, where do you start? How do you prepare for it? What do you want to get out of that first meeting? So what's your process? Absolutely. I want to start off on level ground. I never want 
us to feel like we're on opposite sides of the table. I don't ever want to turn it into, this should be in the course. No, I don't think it should. Oh, it absolutely needs to be in the course. I'm not sure it's relevant. No, but you need to at least include it for some reason at a high level. I'm not really sure. Well, they just need to be aware of it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't want us to be um, adversaries. So I walk new subject matter experts through sometimes as much as a three-step process. Some subject matter experts are more open to recognizing that what they know and what the learner's needs are different things. They know it consciously. If they don't know it consciously and I get that sense, I'll, I'll go through the whole formal process. So the first thing I will do is I will work with them to get them out of their own head. And I do that through a couple of activities. First, I ask them to make a list of the best training they've ever attended and the worst training they've ever attended. Ooh. And nobody gets that wrong. I, it, they could be the worst presenter in the world, but they will get those lists right. Nobody accidentally says on the bad list, engaging. <laughs> yeah. No. And nobody puts on the good list, reading PowerPoints in a monotone voice. <laughs> so they get it. They know it when they put themselves in the uh, the role of the student. But when they're playing the role of the expert, they just, it's like, it all goes out the window. So we'll go through that. And that just helps them go, yeah, I know how this works. And then we can refer back to it. Remember that list we made? Remember that list we made? And we're making that list together. So that's one of the things we do. I'll also do an activity called the Learner's Bill of Rights, where together we make a list of what we feel the learner should expect from us. And it can include things like, don't waste my time. Help me do my job better. Not uh, make sure you use the right Bloom's taxonomy level. No, that, <laughs> no learner says that. Yeah. Like, like, what are their demands? And then we look at that list and we recognize that, yeah, those are reasonable things for them to expect. And then once again, when we're getting in the weeds down the road, we can go, remember the Learner Bill of Rights. Then the third step I do is persona is we create one or two personas, which is a fictional learner, not, not a character in the course. They're not on the screen. They're in the seat. And we give them a name and a job and a cat. And the cat has a name. <laughs> and you might wonder, well, why are you going to, how are you going to design your course differently if they have a cat or not? And whether their cat's name is, you know, George or Fred. Well, it has nothing to do with the cat. It's the fact that you're seeing them and you're picturing them in your mind as a real person. Yeah. Because if we talk about the needs of the learner, I'm doing air quotes right now, that's an abstract concept. And our minds drift toward the concrete. And what's concrete is their own experience. So if we're down the road and they want to include something that's just way out there, I can bring them back in so easily by asking a question like, what would be a situation where Jordan would find that to be helpful? What's Jordan doing on some random Tuesday in, in November when they're talking to a customer where they're going to be so glad they have this information? And it just, bam, pulls them right out of their own head and into the situations that we want to help our learners solve. So those three processes are just invaluable in setting the tone for a good relationship. I love that. And you can refer back to it throughout the whole process. I especially love creating the persona. That really helps the content stick because it makes it real. So what are some other ways to help create content that sticks for learners when you're working with SMEs? The next thing to do is to make sure you're asking the right questions of them. Remember how I said we're equal partners in all of this. So if I ask questions like, 
should we include this in the course? That question gives all the power to the subject matter expert to make that decision. Yeah. We need to make that decision together. And and by the way, I need to check myself too, because I could go and go and learners don't need to know this. Okay, let me work my magic and convince them of that. <laughs> it's not up to me to decide. It is up for up to us to uncover because the truth is the truth. And we either get to that truth or we don't. So instead of asking, should this be in the course? Once again, we pull out that persona. We're using that person's name all the time. And instead, I say something like, well, what's a situation where Jordan would use this? And if they can't answer that question, then we know it doesn't belong in the course. Because here's the thing. If we can't figure it out, how's Jordan going to figure it out? Yeah. You think she's going to try harder? You know, I mean, we're going to be spending hours talking about sometimes one single slide. If, if we can't figure out how Jordan's going to use it, she's never going to figure it out. So we need to ask better questions. The other thing I really like to do, I'm a huge, like, groupie fangirl of Kathy Moore's action mapping process. So if you're not familiar, Google her, Kathy Moore, M-O-O-R-E, action mapping. She has a slide share with some ninjas on it. And I walk them through that process. I show them that slide share. And it's a way that we don't, uh, we don't talk about content first. We don't talk first about what they need to know. Because in the workplace, there's nothing Jordan needs to know unless there could be a day when that knowledge is going to help her do something differently. If she's never going to act on that knowledge, if there will never be a situation where that's going to guide whether she says A or B, clicks A or B, picks up tool A or tool B, unless there's a situation that's going to help her do her job better, it doesn't need to be in there. And so action mapping makes content gathering the third step, not the first step. You focus first on your business results, then on what your learners need to do to get those results. Okay, now, actually it's step four, but I won't get into all of them. And so it turns a traditional conversation on its head. And first we figure out what does somebody need to do? Okay, how can we prepare them for that task? So that's during the, essentially like the needs assessment, right? You're doing the, mm -hmm. the action mapping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like yep. that idea and the action mappings. And, and essentially you're educating your SMEs as you're going through the process. Right. And it, it's, it's great because when you use this process and you pose the question, granted, it'll take a little while for them to get even what you mean because they've, they're not used to thinking in these terms. But then eventually they argue themselves out of the content or they convince me that something is relevant, in which case I know why it's relevant and I can frame it up better. Because if I don't know why Jordan's going to use it, how can I write it in a way that's compelling and helpful? Like I have to know it to do my job. So I'll give you an example of a time where I was like, I had just pre-decided pre that something wasn't important. History of anything. I'm like, oh, <laughs> danger, danger. And I was working with a pharmaceutical company. One of their products, uh, it was a consumer product, the type you buy at like checkout at the grocery store. And they were saying that their, it was their I guess you can call them salespeople. I think they called them buyers. I don't remember. But basically, their job was to go into, let's say, Target and get the primo space and several slots. Like, like they wanted, like if it was gum, mm -hmm. you know, I want five, I want room for five flavors, eye level. That's what they're trying to sell into Target. And so one of the things that the subject matter expert says, well, they need to know the history of the brand. And I'm thinking, 
No, they don't. Right. Okay, this will be fun. Now I'm being all high and mighty. Uh-huh. But if you have an action map, you tie it to an action. And sometimes when you do this, you realize you've missed an action. So I might say, okay, well, what would walk me through how this would work out? So let's say that I'm Jordan and I'm meeting with the buyer at Target. In what context would, would this come up? Because I need to know that anyway. Even if you, even if I don't think it should go in, and you're going to make me, how do I, how do I write it if I don't know this? So, so it's not me being difficult. I'm big on yes and. So yes, I can absolutely put that in the course. And to help me do that, walk me through how that might play out. So Jordan is with the buyer at Target, and I'm just ready for you know me to be right. <laughs> and they come back and they said, well, um, because they have to explain the brand to the you know, the value of the brand and the history to the, to the buyer. I'm like, well, well, why does the buyer care? Why would that impact how the, how many slots they give us? Well, it's because people buy us because of our brand. We've been around for a hundred years. There's trust there. They see that brand. They know that brand. Everybody knows this brand and that's part of what will move product. Okay. So a little more nuance there, but yeah, they had me. Okay. You're right. And this also ties into how we transform our actions into objectives, because I could have an objective that says, describe the history of the brand. And I could list all the facts and I could do a little trivia fun game with all the facts and you can get an A on that quiz and you know all the facts. But does that mean you can convince a buyer to give you a great slot because of the brand value that we bring to their customer? No, it doesn't. So what is our action? What is our objective? Not describe the history of the brand. Our objective becomes convince a buyer that the brand's history will drive product sales. Now, if you think about that instead, that objective, won't you write that slide differently? Oh, totally. Yeah. You would teach it completely differently if that's the reason you're doing it. So it's all focused on the situation. And and what's great is one of the one of the gifts that SMEs bring to the table is that experience, that expertise. They've been in those conversations. So you get them talking about the situations that Jordan would find herself in. And you're going to get great stuff, but it, it takes it takes a uh, it takes discipline because, you know, experts are chosen, guess what, for their expertise. Yes but also usually for their passion. Yes. <laughs> and to me, the most challenging SME is the one who is the most educated and the most passionate because they want to share every last lick of what they know <laughs> just for the joy of knowing it. Yeah. Get me talking about fonts and you'll see, you know? <laughs> and that's the thing. We all have it about something. Every single one of us is overly knowledgeable and overly passionate. And if you get stuck next to that person at a backyard barbecue, they're going to talk your ear <laughs> off. It's that same thing. So it's not about us hating SMEs. The very thing that makes them a SME is part of what we need to manage. Yeah. Well, a couple of questions here. So first, how did you learn to check yourself when you do find <laughs> yourself going into the, the judginess? <laughs> because it's all about Jordan. Yeah. It's not about the SME. It is not about me. I am an advocate for the learner. And that gets me out of my own head. Oh, good. Yeah. So focused on that persona that was created. Yep. 
Absolutely. Awesome. Well, and then along those lines, then knowing that SMEs can be very passionate, right? And and mm-hmm. even sometimes it's hard for them to get a beginner's mind. That's kind of our job to help them get mm-hmm. to that part. But mm-hmm. have you ever had, uh, or rather, let, let's change it to, have you ever had to negotiate uh, getting content out that absolutely should not be in there with a SME? And if so, how did you do that? Yeah, all you're like time. every day. <laughs> Every day, all day. It's what I do. But I don't want to give up because I am the advocate for the learner and the business goal because only the learner can meet the business goal. The SME is not meeting the business goal. The learner is. It's the learner's change in behavior. So if we're talk, if I take the patience and time to walk them through it and ask multiple questions, because especially at the beginning when they, they don't know what I'm talking about necessarily, this new thought process they'll throw up deflections. Well, they just need to be aware of it. And that feels like a the end of a conversation, but it's the beginning. Yeah. So you just add awareness to your question. So what would be a situation as great, we can absolutely include that. What would be a situation Jordan would find herself in where that awareness is really going to help her? Or let's say that we've got Jordan and we've got Jake. Jordan has this awareness, Jake doesn't. What's Jordan going to get right that Jake's going to step in? Ooh. And we just run with it. We just, you just, you got to keep asking the questions. Ask it a different way. Ask it a different way. Because very often when they don't answer the way, you know, with, with the, the thought that you want, it's, it's because they're confused. They don't know what you're asking for, or they've never thought about it. And so they're going to answer it with something like, oh, they just need to be aware of it. Oh, let's just cover it at a high level. No, 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 no. We are not covering anything at a high level. We're either helping her do her job or we're leaving it out. But those are thi- those are like defense mechanisms when they can't think of the answer. So you've got to give them time. You've got to give them space. You've got to give them examples. You've got to find different ways to ask the question. But we also have a saying at Artisan Learning. It's an internal saying, but I'll share it with you. <laughs> is uh, you fight the good fight and you stop just before you become a jerk about it. <laughs> Because I will absolutely say that there are times I have put in information that I don't think Jordan needs to know. But when I do, I get in and I get out as quickly as I can. I don't belabor it. I don't ultra explain it. I don't ask a question about it. But even then, I want to find out how she's going to use it because I have to write it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's an information dump that's not going to help anybody do their jobs better. Oh, yeah. Huge. I love this. So we're creating an us mentality with this me instead of an us mm-hmm. versus them. We're yep. advocating for the learner. We're really working on asking those solid, powerful questions to get the SME through the process in the process mm-hmm. of advocating for the learner. Are there any right. other tips or insights you want to share with our listeners? Um, I would say if you have a SME who's struggling to talk at all, <laughs> you know, sometimes you ask them one question and they tell you everything they've ever wanted to say about the subject. <laughs> sometimes you have folks who, who don't say much or they're not really sure where to go with this and, and you don't even know what questions to ask. Get them talking about stories first. Just, just examples, sto- good things, bad things, because SMEs have so many, they have been there, they have done that. They have the t-shirt. Get them to talk about stories. And sometimes if I really can't get them into the action mapping process, I actually map it myself. And they don't even necessarily have to know I'm doing it. And so I get them talking in story 
And then I go, okay, well, in that story, what, what would she have done differently? And how would, how could we have prepared her to avoid that problem? And then I confirm because it is never, ever my job to decide what goes in. I always confirm. So I was talking with a subject matter expert once it was in the product safety area. And he was talking about, um, this bad incident with happened with like the little tchotchkes you get at a trade show, like the little promotional items. And it was, I think it was like a lithium battery charger that blew up or something, you know, bad, bad thing. And so he wanted to tell this case study and he talked about how, oh yeah, there was some, you know, the distributors manufacturer had changed something and whatever, and this whole thing happening overseas. And I said, okay. And this course was for the salesperson. Mm. So I said, oh, okay, that's a great case study. What, what could the salesperson have done differently then? And there's a lot of things the salesperson can do properly, you know, vet the person, vet the vendor, make sure they meet certain guidelines. But this was such a weird fluke. There's absolutely nothing the salesperson could have done to prevent it. And I had to say, okay, story comes out. It's a great story, but it doesn't, there's nothing she could have done. She did everything right. And it still happened. Let's find a story where you know, her actions would make a difference. So get them talking story. And then you have to sometimes figure out where the lessons are and ask the follow on questions. And then I found that once, once they get the, the hang of it, most SMEs will, will fully participate, but sometimes the journey to get there, you sometimes have to work. <laughs> yeah. It takes a little, what is it? Interpretation or translation? One of those words. <laughs> Yeah, some practice, yeah. some pushback, you know, and then the, then when the light bulb goes on, it's a beautiful moment and it's usually pretty smooth sailing, but you've got to stay on it the whole time because they are the SME, they love their content, they want to say everything. But it, what it means is they will be more self-governing, but they'll also be more open when you ask that question for the 20th time about tell me about a situation where Jordan would. <laughs> Nice. And so it's almost like you, you have to get them trained up. <laughs> and then yeah. the more you work with them, the easier it is. And sometimes you you play with the personality of the relationship. I was with a large group. Uh, we do a lot of work with associations. And it was we were working with an association and uh, they were remapping their entire curriculum. And I had this one group of subject matter experts. There were four of them. And they just, there was this one guy who, whenever we talked about it, he like we we have these words that you're not allowed to say learn, you're not allowed to say no, you're not allowed to say understand when we're doing the action mapping because those aren't actions. Uh -huh. That's how you that's how you get ready for the action. Anyway, he just couldn't get past. Oh, uh -huh. so I. But we had this really we we met in the evenings. People were all relaxed. We just had this really fun banter over several meetings. And finally, I said, Ken, next time you say learn, you owe me a dollar. <laughs> You know, and we just had fun yeah. with it. So, you know, you can use your personality and the personality of the group. I wouldn't do that with other SMEs necessarily. I certainly wouldn't do it on a first meeting. Um, I, I was doing action mapping with one group and the woman had come with all of her notes. And I, I learned within the first five minutes of the meetings that those notes were overkill. Yeah. And so we did a little thing. I said, okay, we're going to do some action mapping. And I want everybody to close your computers and flip over your notes. We're starting from scratch. And she started to look at her notes and I go, you know, but it was it, that group allowed that. Yeah. There are others where it's, it's more formal. Yeah. So you can have fun with it too, because this should be a great collaborative relationship. Yeah. 
So building rapport with your SMEs, very important as well. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. Awesome. Great advice. I think we are ready to go to rapid fire. Yikes. <laughs> Diane, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests five rapid fire style questions. Each okay. question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> okay, great. Give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. Kathy Moore's Map It, for all the reasons I was singing her praises earlier. Nice, nice. Give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. Well, just today I got my birthday present and it's called the Tap Strap 2. And it is a wearable keyboard. It's this thing you put on your hand and you can tap on any surface to type. And it's oh, wow. really fun. And I don't know, I don't need it. It doesn't solve any real problems, but it's so much fun. I can't wait to play with it more. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> What's the best piece of TD-related advice that you have ever been given? I was at a conference many, many years ago, and I so wish I could remember the speaker to give this person credit. I think it was a he. He said, you can do so much more instructionally when you can let go of whether or not they got it right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I think especially in e-learning, e-learning turns people into conf control freaks. Well, can, can I report on their answers? Can I find out what they say? How will I know if they got it right or wrong? Well, in the classroom, you don't know. You know, you, you, you ask a group in the classroom to say, hey, make a list of the uh, best supervisor you ever had and what made them the best and the worst. Okay, you've made that list. We're going to talk about that. Okay, but wait, let me collect all of your papers and photocopy them and put them in a file. Like, if you don't care about whether they get a question right or wrong, you can do so much more with it in e-learning. Yes, you might have a graded quiz. There's questions you do for you. But there's so many more things you can do for them if it's not about the right or wrong. Great advice. What's one thing that you're excited about that's coming up this year? This year, well, hopefully the opening of the world. Um, I'm excited to go to ATD Ice in Salt Lake City. I'll be teaching on this exact uh, topic. I'll also be teaching a pre-conference workshop on Articulate Storyline, uh, getting to see some coworkers that I haven't seen in a long time. So I'm hoping it'll still happen. I'm hoping that the world won't go crazier in the next two weeks, but super excited about uh, getting back in person. Right. I think we all feel that way right now. Okay. <laughs> Ready for the last one? I am. Okay. Tell us, what is one thing within our chapter or industry that you're deeply grateful for right now? Oh, I would say, I would say it's my, um, my network, which is mostly through, you know, ATD, the local chapters, um, going to conferences. I go to about three or four conferences a year. The, the relationships are virtual as well, which has been really helpful. Um, even before the pandemic, I've always worked from home while I've been at ours and we're hundred percent virtual company. We have been for what, 17 years and I don't have coworkers nearby. And so having a network of folks I can tap into on LinkedIn or run into at a chapter meeting, I've, I've always felt like the DC chapter that they were my coworkers that if I, you know, a chance to 
go sit down in a meeting back back. Remember when we did that? Remember when we would all get in the same room and we'd like talk to each other <laughs> and eat food? Remember that? Not too long ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've always been grateful to that because um like in my company, uh, the next closest person geographically is four hours away. Ooh. So I feel like the DC chapter near my coworkers. Yeah. It's our community. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing these awesome tidbits of wisdom. I love it. You bet. You bet. Oh, and a thank you to my co-hosts as well. Absolutely. This was so practical. Thank you for sharing. You bet. Yeah, it was so much fun to listen into this conversation and especially think about what it really means to advocate for your learners. I am so glad you stopped in to chat with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And many thanks to our community for listening. Now, before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Do you need help with a project? Not a problem. Check out our network of local talent development experts by visiting dcatd.org forward slash consultants directory. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today. Thank you.